Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The High Yield Dividend Stock Watches for October is already out. If you haven't checked out that episode, I encourage you to do so. A link will be in the description below. But now it's time to take a look at the 30 best high growth dividend stocks for October. The focus of this watchlist is to maximize total return over a long period of time, while earning some dividend income along the way. Here is an outline of what I will cover in this episode. First, I will talk about why I like to focus on quality companies, and what exactly is a quality company to me. Second, we will look at past performance. I'll go over how the watches performed last month and since inception. Third, I will analyze the drivers of Alpha from last month. Fourth, I will go over the 30 stocks on the watches for October. Fifth, I will talk about valuation. And finally, I will talk about the expected future returns for the stocks on the watches and the watches as a whole. Alright, let's jump right in. I like to focus on quality companies because I believe over a long period of time, like the next 10 or 20 years, quality companies are the best bet for strong total returns. My main objective when it comes to investing is a long-term passive approach. I like to buy and hold securities for a long period of time, preferably forever. And I know at some point in the future we will come upon another market crash. Statistically they occur every 6 years, meaning that in the next decade the chances of one market crash are likely, and up to 3 market crashes during the next 2 decades. By being invested in quality companies, I will still experience losses in my portfolio, but quality companies are better at weathering stock market crashes. They are less likely to go bankrupt, and they typically bounce back better than lower quality companies. The temptation to sell my positions during a market crash will be smaller, because if I think a company is a quality business, I will be looking to add to my position at better valuations, instead of scrambling to move my money around. Okay, so how do I determine if a company is a quality company? I have 8 metrics that I use to filter the universe of dividend-paying stocks, and they are a market cap of 10 billion or more, a payout ratio of 70% or less, a 5-year dividend growth rate of at least 5%, a 5-year revenue and EPS growth rate of at least 2%, an S&P earnings and dividend rating of B plus or better, a wider narrow moat, and an exemplary or standard stewardship. Let's dig into these a little bit more. I like larger companies because I think they are a little safer than smaller businesses. They can be more resilient in weathering economic downturns. Most of the companies on this list pay a rather low dividend yield, and that's fine for me, but in exchange for this low dividend yield, I expect a better than average dividend growth rate, and a better than average long-term total return. So I am looking for a low payout ratio, which leaves room for future dividend growth, and a stable history of dividend growth during the last 5 years. I also want the company itself to be growing, so I like to see both top line and bottom line growth. This growth is measured by revenue growth and earnings per share growth. The S&P Earnings and Dividend Rating evaluates a company's earnings and dividend growth history against its industry. A rating of B plus or higher is associated with above average companies, so I make my cutoff at this level. Morningstar's economic moat evaluates a company's competitive advantage. A wide moat implies competitive advantage for the next 20 years, while a narrow moat implies competitive advantage for the next 10 years. Both are sufficiently long enough periods of time in my book, but I do prefer companies with a wide moat over a narrow moat. And the last metric ensures that the company has an average or better management team. A business is only as good as its employees, so I like to see that the people at the top of the company are making smart decisions. Now my screener that I use to find companies that meet or exceed all of these criteria usually spits out about 90 to 100 unique companies each month. For me, that is way too many companies to focus on. So I have developed a ranking system, where a company is assigned a score based on their results for these 8 metrics. 
I then sort all the companies by their score, and select the top 30 stocks for the upcoming month's watchlist. To come up with the system, I performed some exploratory data analysis to find patterns between total returns and these 8 metrics. Historically, this system led to outperformance of about 50% over a 5-year period. I know that past performance isn't indicative of future results, but to me it's better than randomly selecting stocks. While I use this system myself, I am not recommending it to anyone. I personally am willing to take the risk that my system may not work out. I also know that quantitative measures can only take you so far in evaluating a company. But I personally like quantitative methods for stock selection. It does a great job removing emotions from the decision-making process. Okay, let's move on to past performance. I'm glad September is over, and part of me doesn't even want to look at how awful most stocks performed last month. But we need to look and evaluate how well the watches is working out. SPY, the S&P 500 ETF, lost 4.66% last month. VIG, Vanguard's dividend appreciation ETF, performed even worse, losing 4.99%. The high-growth watches for September beat both, with a loss of 4.14%. It's still a pretty terrible return, and only a narrow win over SPY and VIG, but a win nevertheless. The 8 fairly valued and undervalued stocks from September had an even better return, losing only 3.67%. Every basis point counts in a down month because it means one less basis point to make up in the future. After this terrible month, all four year-to-date returns fall back below 20%. The fairly valued and undervalued stocks are leading the pack with a 19.76% total return this year. The watchlist is in a distant second place with a total return of 16.65%. SPY is not too far behind with a total return of 15.74%, and VIG is pretty far in the rear with a total return of 10.17%. Since inception, which was September of 2020, the returns are a little closer together. The fairly valued and undervalued stocks are first, with a total return of 27.89%. SPY is in second place, with a return of 25.12%. The watchlist has a return of 23.98%, and VIG is up 20.19%. I'm happy to see the watchlist outperform VIG quite nicely since inception, but I'd like for it to stay ahead of SPY in the long run as well. 13 months of data is still a relatively short period of time for a long-term perspective, so I will remain patient and let my rules-based approach prove that it has merit. The buy-and-hold mock portfolios that are meant to simulate a buy-and-hold approach to investing in the watches performed worse than the watches in September. The buy-and-hold portfolio to the entire watches lost 4.61%, and the buy-and-hold portfolio to only the fairly valued undervalued stocks lost 4.03%. Both finished a month better than VIG, and remain ahead of the benchmark on a year-to-date basis and cumulative basis. Year-to-date the watches buy-and-hold portfolio is up 18.47%, The fairly valued and undervalued buy and hold portfolio is up 16.52%, and VIG is up 10.17%. Since inception, the watchlist buy and hold portfolio is up 25.79%, the fairly valued and undervalued buy and hold portfolio is up 25.2%, and VIG is up 20.19%. Pretty strong outperformance for both buy and hold portfolios. About 6-8% year to date, and about 5% for each portfolio since inception. Also, the watchlist buy and hold portfolio is doing better than the monthly watchlist returns proving that this investing approach has merit. The fairly valued and undervalued buy and hold portfolio is trailing the monthly returns of the fairly valued and undervalued stocks, but the difference is not huge. Let's take a look at which stocks were the drivers of alpha during September. I'll start off with the fairly valued and undervalued stocks, since there was only 8 of them. The biggest driver of alpha was Home Depot, that finished the month up 1.15%. The other driver was Lowe's, the other home improvement chain, that finished the month down only 0.51%. The remaining 6 stocks all lost more than 3% for the month. Collectively, these 8 stocks offered 1.32% of alpha over VIG. Pretty solid outperformance in a not-so-great month for the stock market. The entire watch has performed worse than the fairly valued and undervalued stocks, losing 4.14%.
There were a total of 5 stocks that finished last month with a positive return. Tractor Supply rocked a cool 4.3% gain. Thermo Fisher Scientific picked up 3%. Home Depot, which I already mentioned, gained 1.15%. Texas Instruments finished the month up 0.68%. And MasterCard added 0.42%. These 5 stocks helped keep the average return for the watches a little higher than VIG last month. There were outliers on the other end as well. Tiro Price shed 11.69%, and Market Access lost 11.6%, with a few more stocks losing between 7 and 8%. These individual positions definitely caused drag on the watch list, but fortunately that drag wasn't enough to lead to underperformance. I don't get overly fixated on individual losses. I prefer to look at the watch list as a whole, and not as individual pieces. I'm pretty happy with how the watch list has performed thus far. I would like to see it have an annualized return above 12% over a 5 or 10 year period. Right now the annualized return is almost 22%, but the past year has been better than average. And we only have 13 months of data, so barely more than one year. I'm expecting the annualized return to fall in the future, but I think it can plateau above 12%. Okay, let's finally get on with the 30 chosen stocks for October. There is only one change to the list from September, but this month we have 10 fairly valued and undervalued stocks, which is an increase of 2 from September. Let me run down the list, giving you the company name, current dividend yield, and the potential over or undervaluation for each company. First up we have Cintas with a 0.98% dividend yield, and it appears to be about 4% overvalued, placing it in the fair value zone. Next we have Charles Schwab with a 0.96% yield, and it appears to be about 7.5% overvalued. Next we have Domino's Pizza with a 0.78% yield, and it appears to be about 13% overvalued. Next we have Lamb Research with a 1.06% yield and it appears to be about 21% overvalued. Next we have Applied Materials with a 0.75% yield, and it appears to be about 45% overvalued. Next we have United Healthcare with a 1.45% yield, and it appears to be about 4% undervalued. Next we have Lowe's with a 1.55% yield, and it appears to be about 5% overvalued, placing it in the fair value zone. Next we have Home Depot with a 1.96% yield, and it appears to be about 7% overvalued. Next we have Thermo Fisher Scientific, with a 0.18% yield, and it appears to be about 38% overvalued. Next we have Morgan Stanley, with a 2.81% yield, and it appears to be about 31% undervalued. Next we have Market Access, with a 0.62% yield, and it appears to be about fairly valued. Next we have MSCI, with a 0.68% yield, and it appears to be about 35% overvalued. Next we have Humana, with a 0.71% yield and it appears to be about 13% undervalued. Next we have Texas Instruments with a 2.38% yield, and it appears to be about half a percent undervalued. Next we have MasterCard with a 0.5% yield, and it appears to be about 9% overvalued. Next we have Tiro Price with a 2.14% yield, and it appears to be about 17% overvalued. Next we have Tractor Supply with a 1% yield, and it appears to be about 24% overvalued. Next we have Expeditors International of Washington with a 0.96% yield, and it appears to be about 26% overvalued. Next we have Intuit with a 0.5% yield, and it appears to be about 27.5% overvalued. Next we have West Pharma with a 0.16% yield, and it appears to be about 66% overvalued. Next we have Nvidia with a 0.08% yield, and it appears to be about 72% overvalued. Next we have Activision Blizzard with a 0.61% yield, and it appears to be about 2% undervalued. Next we have Lockheed Martin with a 3.2% yield, and it appears to be about 21% undervalued. Next we have Intercontinental Exchange with a 1.13% yield, and it appears to be about 2% overvalued, placing it in the fair value zone. Next we have Visa with a 0.56% yield, and it appears to be about 8% overvalued. 
Next we have Sherwin-Williams with a 0.78% yield, and it appears to be about 12% overvalued. Next we have Roper with a 0.49% yield, and it appears to be about 12.5% overvalued. Next we have Moody's with a 0.69% yield, and it appears to be about 37% overvalued. Next we have Monolithic Power with a 0.5% yield, and it appears to be about 37.5% overvalued. And finally we have Microsoft with a 0.87% yield, and it appears to be about 38% overvalued. So we still have very many overvalued stocks on the list, but it looks much more appealing than last month. For perspective, the September watchlist had an average dividend yield of 0.93%, while the October watchlist average dividend yield is 1.03%, a full 10 basis points higher. Collectively, the 30 stocks last month were about 18.5% overvalued, while this month they are about 11% overvalued. So a nice 7.5% drop in valuation following a poor September. I do believe valuation is important to consider when choosing stocks to invest in, but I don't think valuation alone is a good tool to find companies that will offer strong future returns. I like to forecast the expected annualized growth rate for each of the stocks on my watch list. The way I do this is by combining three different factors. I take the analyst forecasted earnings per share growth for the next 5 years, the current valuation, and the current dividend yield. I compute this figure for all 30 stocks and cut my watch list in half. The 15 stocks with the highest expected growth rates are included on my buy list for the upcoming month. Let me tell you which 15 companies I have chosen to invest in during October, and the computed growth rate for each. First up is Charles Schwab with a 20.62% growth rate. Next is Lamb Research with a 12.91% growth rate. Next is Applied Materials with a 19.9% growth rate. Next is United Healthcare with a 15.35% growth rate. Next is Lowe's with an 18.29% growth rate. Next is Morgan Stanley with a 15.95% growth rate. Next is Humana with a 16.77% growth rate. Next is Texas Instruments with a 12.46% growth rate. Next is MasterCard with a 26.04% growth rate. Next is Tiro Price with a 14.68% growth rate. Next is West Pharma with a 16.8% growth rate. Next is Nvidia with a 21.17% growth rate. Next is Activision Blizzard with a 14.85% growth rate. Next is Visa with an 18.68% growth rate. And finally, we have Monolithic Power Systems with an 18.92% growth rate. I know this method isn't a perfect science, and the forecasted growth rate is based on two assumptions. One, that the company will hit its forecasted earnings growth. And second, that the valuation measure is accurate, and the stock will return to fair value in the future. I think collectively these 15 companies should offer more attractive returns in the long run compared to the other 15 companies on the watch list. I haven't tracked this approach in the past, and it would be pretty difficult to backtest it today. But I do intend to track it in the future, so more to come on this approach in the future. Anytime you compute a valuation or expect a growth rate using assumptions, there is a level of uncertainty for that computation. I don't want any of you to make your investing decisions based on what I stated in this episode. Just because one company has a better expected growth rate than another company does not mean it's more likely to offer a better return. I think the value in this method is the collective return of the 15 stocks I have chosen for October. If over the course of the next year, or 5 years, they collectively beat the return of VIG and SPY, I won't care if the collective return was driven by only 2 to 3 of these stocks. My focus is on the overall total return of my portfolio as a whole. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to consume this content in a video format, you are welcome to visit my YouTube channel. Just search for Long Acres Finance on YouTube and you'll find more of me. If you'd like to reach me directly, you can do so by emailing me at longacresfinance at gmail.com. If you would like to support this channel, you can do so on Patreon and unlock the additional benefits offered there. Thank you for being here and have a wonderful day.